on this episode of Quantum Week, February 17th through 23rd, 1991. Quantum Week. Quantum Week. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year, and we talk about the movies, the music, the headlines, everything that was happening during that time that uh, made it new, unique. And today we're doing February, what is it, 17th through 23rd, 1991. Absolutely. And in fact, we kind of like, uh, we kind of interrupted our regular schedule of programming. We did. We will have our From Dust Till Dawn episode. It's going to come out on Saturday. Yes. Uh, we did want to jump in. We had kind of an odd week uh, the, in real life uh, week uh, where uh, based on our, our Mariah Carey episode, uh, our last episode created quite a bit of controversy. Yes. Um, we had some... Um, <laughs> Good and bad. We had some, uh, some right. Mariah Carey's a much more loyal and uh, youthful fan base than I ever anticipated. Didn't know it. Had no idea. Um, and they were not happy with our remarks, which we both stand by. Our Absolutely. Remarks to the show. Yep. Uh, so we had kind of a like a little internet battle of sorts uh, with with those folks. Uh, so you, some of you may be hearing us for the first time. We, we yeah. We, the good news is we've got a pretty big uptick in listeners. Definitely. Um, the, <laughs> the, uh, the bad news is we, you know, we we have some war wounds. We're looking. Uh, uh, but no, but all in all, it, it, uh, I think it was a positive thing to kind of create a discussion about, you know, easy listening or contemporary music, how maybe me and you don't like it. We're, yep. never, we're never going to like it. But there are people that do like, obviously very passionate about Mariah Carey's music. And, uh, you know, th- th- we just, you know, we disagree. Um, then, you know, th- I, but we did want to, we, we did want to kind of come, come in with a special episode this week. Um, just kind of discuss this because usually what happens is we tape these ahead of time. Yeah. So right. in fact, the one we had already scheduled was wouldn't have had any reference to this. And it's kind of a, would it would be kind of weird. weird. I we think, had taped yeah, it before the Mariah wanted to even come out. Right. So, um, so we did kind of want to jump in at least to address that. We also wanted to address and thank, uh, the Kirk Minahan show. Absolutely. We had Kirk Minahan as a guest, uh, a few uh, weeks back. Yep. Um, and we are both incredibly huge Kirk Minahan fans. We love the Kirk Minahan show. Uh, and Kirk Minahan's like, uh, Fans, who I think some of us, me and you, consider to be somewhat totally, yep, yep, friends, yep. We're, yep. Uh, allies with, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kirk, uh, his producer Steve Robinson, and uh, Blind Mike, and the whole crew were just incredibly loyal, very to us. supportive, very supportive, helped a lot. Yes, probably wouldn't have survived as well. Would have been really him. hard. Yeah, uh, would have been really hard. So let me let me say this. So everyone knows that Kirk Manahan is podcast Jesus. Yes, but Kirk Manahan is also. The podcast savior. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Do you agree with that? I, I would, yeah. So he's my podcast savior. Uh, but we can move on to our movie. Yeah, so Unless this, you have uh, anything else to add? Is nope, it? That, that's okay. it. I think you said it uh, perfectly well. So we're talking about Silence of the Lambs today. Absolutely. On the episode. Um, yeah, so this movie... Uh, so let me say this. This movie might not, it might not be in my top 10 of all time as far as movies I love. Right. But this movie is one of the 10, maybe five best works of art i've ever seen this is a beautiful film in fact this is the best film we've seen this is an a film oh there's make. no question an a it, film there's no question this yeah. is this is the best movie we've and seen. i probably haven't seen again this is another one i probably haven't seen in a decade and i looked at it with like clearer eyes now and then and it is it is a beautiful film this movie is remarkable uh yep. so i'm gonna say this too uh i don't usually say this uh too much up top but i'm, I'm gonna say it and really mean it so we're gonna say spoilers here if you're younger maybe you've never seen sounds came fucking out 91 film. stop this podcast now I yeah. want you to go and watch it. It is it is that good. And I don't want, don't ruin it for yourself. Don't get spoiled before you see it. No. This movie is a, truly a work of art. So there's movies that I guess it'd be works of art. It's like Godfather. Uh, I think Jaws yeah. is, is a perfect yeah. movie. So Silence of the Lambs is in there. So here's my kind of, so yeah. So stop the movie, stop the podcast if you've, if you've never seen it. Because starting now, we're going to get into spoilers. Yeah. Okay. Here you go. So here's one thing I want to address. So what does it mean to have a favorite movie? What does it mean to have like a work of art? So when I say that it's not in my top 10, which I don't think it is, it, that's, that's simply a personal choice. So right. for it's, instance, I enjoyed the movie Back to the Future more than the movie Silence of the Lambs. You do? I do. I yeah, just, it's just I more just fun for you enjoy, to watch. Okay. I just, I enjoy it. Yep. Silence of the Lambs is a better movie than Back to the Future. Does that no make doubt. sense? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, you can you could definitely say this is craft at its almost you know perfection or as close to yes. perfection as you could possibly get, but not necessarily enjoy it. There's a there's a Noe, uh, was it is it not Trevor Noe film um called Into the Void, which is one of the most stunning movies I've ever seen in my entire life, okay. but I don't enjoy it. It is a fucking harsh watch. And that is, I wouldn't say it's a, a perfect movie, but it's one of those where I've never experienced anything like it. It's an amazing film. 
Uh, but I don't enjoy it. So I mean, absolutely. I think this is even a step up. I do enjoy watching. Oh yeah, movie. You're, yeah, and I'm not so saying movie, I'm just saying that, that, mo- that dichotomy can yeah, exist. Like Raging Bull. Raging Bull's a tough right, watch. Yeah, it's right. not fun. Yeah. Uh, I would never recommend I mean recommend I recommend watching it if you're a film fan. Right. But it's not a fun watch. It's not like yeah. Silence of the Lambs is an entertaining movie. It is. It, it, I was enthralled the it entire hits time. Every level. It's pedal the metal the whole time. Yep. Um it, it's a perfect movie. Yeah. It's a, and and I, don't, I don't throw that around often. Uh, and Presumed Innocent, I, I remember one of the comments I made is this is a lot of really talented people working together from yes. the, you know, the script, the, the script, the direction, all of that, the acting. It, this is another one of those films where you have elite level talent at every single level of this thing. Here's the huge difference. Yeah. So I, I, made, I made a bad uh, comparison. I got kind of uh, mocked on the internet a bit for it. <laughs> uh, so I said that Presumed Innocent was like Justin Verlander. That's not a great example. But the, Presumed Innocent was really like Zach Greinke. Zach okay, Greinke yeah, is, yeah. A, is a right. pitcher that used to have a great fastball, doesn't really have it anymore, but he gets by on other stuff. And yeah. he's crafty and he's it crafty. works, but he's certainly not his peak, right? Like last year, he's not his peak, but he still was a fi- effective pitcher. Absolutely. That's what Presumed Innocent is. Yep. This is- This is peak. This is Roger Clemens, 1986. Yeah, you, this, this is a- Hopkins at his peak. Hopkins, you have Foster. Foster's Jonathan amazing. Jonathan Demme. Right. Uh, Ted Talley, the screenwriter, uh, all got Oscars, but even like- you know, everyone here is at the there. music is phenomenal. Everything is phenomenal about this film. I don't, I mean, I haven't enjoyed, I really, you know, I'm trying, since we've been doing this podcast, I've been really trying to look at how uh, films are shot. This is like, this, it is just well, so this, this is a whole fucking amazing. This is a whole level above. So anything we've seen. So um, like the movie uses extreme close-ups. Exactly. But yeah, the quid pro quo scene is like kind of the, like the, the what, what people would say, like, I, is the I, mecca yeah, of that. I, I almost, there, but there's others. Yeah. I almost eschew that. So right off the top, there's a scene that, um, this is an example of perfect screenwriting and perfect directing. Yeah. So there's a scene where you're, you're basically introducing Jodie Foster's character in the credits and she's going through kind of a heavy- She's duty, running the course. Right. Yep. Which is fine. Uh, you know, or a girl power, whatever, you know, and, uh, but then they kind of throw you a, a wrench a little bit. She gets in the elevator and she's surrounded yes. by guys that are giant. All in red jackets. All they're, red, they're like two feet taller than her. And some of them actually were real FBI guys, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and she's this tiny person. Yes. Yep. And um, it says nothing. And uh, so the camera does, doesn't do too much. It's a, it's a, it's just, it's just it's a shot. Just, it's a regular yep. shot. The camera doesn't move. She gets in the elevator and then um, no one even cracks a joke. Like, hey, he's short. Yeah, no nothing. One, but all the reactions are real. That's how men that age would react if a young, attractive girl got in the elevator. Right. That's how the girl, I think, would react a little yeah. bit. Not fearful, but yet you always feel like you're the smallest person in the room. Yep. Because um, Jodie Foster has mad courage in this movie. She's, never, she's not afraid of anybody. No. But, um, but she definitely, it's like, she knows she's the smallest person. She knows she's the oddball. And the elevator door closes. And when it opens, she's the only one left in the elevator. Yes. And um, so that's just, that's such efficient directing, screenwriting, acting, and you mentioned like they're all in red shirts. They're all, uh, even the costuming is perfect. Like, yes. That yeah. is, that yeah. to me is perfect movie making. And you know what? They bring that back later on when she's in the morgue with a bunch of uh, law enforcement officers who, again, she's in a room with a bunch of dudes who are much yep. bigger than her. This time it's a, it's just a slightly different move where she clears the room with her voice. She, and she has the power. She has the power. Yeah. Right. The other thing that I wanted to say about the beginning scene is when she's running on that yes. course, she's by herself. It's the same thing that happens at the end of the film when she's going through Buffalo. Buffalo I'm going to go, level, I'm gonna go a level beyond that. Yeah, go. The first shot of her is her climbing out of a hole. Yes, that's right. With a rope. That's fucking yeah. right. That's exactly like what they're doing. Well. Yeah. It's crazy. So that's what they're doing. They're tying it all it together. Um, and it's just it's just Demi. It's perfection of Demi. Perfection of Ted Talley here. Th- this is, uh, I can't say enough good things about this. This movie is just, it's just, it's, it's impeccable to watch. Um, the film, the coloring is blue. It's cold. Yes. It's cold, except when you're in Buffalo Bill's fucking lair, when it's all this like orange and electric and fucking, you know, crazy. It's all cold. Even even the set design here is amazing. So like, I felt like, you know, I've, I've done some traveling for work. I've been in sales a lot. So I've, I've been kind of around the country and, uh, you know, just from living life, you know, for 40 years. Yeah, yeah. You see different houses and how they're, but like I've been to those like Rust Belt places and yep. they do those Ohio houses are kind of run down yep. um but it was run down authentically like i didn't feel like and it, well, a lot of stuff was shot on location yeah uh, but it felt it didn't feel like it was too it never felt too much it wasn't no. done it was done for reality not for effect and it assumed the audience was smart enough to know like all right this is a rough house or this is a like it doesn't tell you we're poor no it just says it doesn't say anything yeah. It lets you interpret it. Uh, and that's such brave. It's like the closest thing I can equivalent to like, is like something like Mad Men where they, they don't show too much. They kind of like just let it out there. But even that shows more than this movie does. This movie assumes your audience is a very bright person. Yeah. And 
it takes nothing. It, it, it just it, it just allows for that. The acting is brilliant. We've got to mention Ted Levine as, as Buffalo Bill. He did not. I, I want to mention up top. He does not get met, not get nominated for an Oscar for this. He doesn't. I think he should have. Yeah. I think he's brilliant. In this he's awesome. She, she a great big fat person, <laughs> uh, which is the greatest line ever. Maybe. Um, uh, right. it, 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 you like that? I can't remember. What's her response? Like she, she's she, large. She, she was a she, she was, was a large, large woman. Yes. <laughs> yes. She a great big fat person. Um, so creepy. It's so awful. Right? He's so creepy. Uh, like just the way he his reaction when um she takes the dog in the well. Um, like oh, yeah. he's completely loses control. Uh, his reaction, which he's not putting the lotion on. Yes. I love <laughs> that. I love that. He, d- he's a complete psychopath. He yeah. does not know how to, he doesn't know how to, he doesn't have empathy for humans. So he's trying to relate to them by copying them. When she starts screaming in the well yeah. and he's mimicking her, he, he, he like, trying I mean, I'm doing the, he, he, uh, he picks his, like he makes he does, a yeah. breast out of his shirt. He kind of. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. He's just, yeah. he's trying to mimic her because he doesn't have the empathy to know what that would actually feel like. Exactly. It's fucking crazy. He has no attachment to humanity. So he's like trying to be like a human in that. It's so bizarre. And it's like, it's, it's, I, you know, it's crazy. I've never seen, obviously before that universal character like that. I don't know if I've seen a, a character like this since. No, no. And he's not the most iconic bad guy in this fucking no! film. That's the crazy thing. This has two <laughs> hall of fame level baddies in it. Do you think, so I would say, we've said that I've said this before, I think on the podcast, but probably like the best and most iconic bad guy in film is Darth Vader. I, you could make a case of Hannibal Lecter. Well, I would say Hannibal Lecter is a very close number two I'd to me. Pro- very you're close, probably, right? You're probably right. That's insane to me that the bad guy in the Who's film. Who's scarier? I don't know. Are you shitting me? Yeah, I mean, I don't it's, know. I'll, I'll answer it. It's Hannibal fucking Lecter. I don't Darth know. Darth Vader's not real. Like, he can't <laughs> well, be real. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But if I'm putting myself Hen- in the in the in into the film, I'm, I think- I'm much more frightened watching, even, like, Hannibal Lecter's so much scarier than- I don't know. As a kid, I was pretty afraid of Darth Vader. The first Vader. shot of him. So when you're when you're watching the the um, Jodie Foster walk, yeah, walk, it's all from her perspective. It's so brilliant. He's and in a dungeon. Great, of course. And how great is that? So yeah. you're walking through, and it's like everyone's in movement. And as the bad guy, as the insane people go, I'm saying like the bad yeah, yeah, yeah. as the insane bad guys, as the insane people go, they're more and more movement. So you get to make more, more all like, over the place. Right. And then it, it hits Hannibal who's just standing there. Yes. Completely still. <laughs> and it, it is so jarring. Yeah. Because it's such a complete uh, spin from what were you, you expected to keep ramping. You expected as an audience member, oh, he's going to be the craziest the one. Right. But he's the most normal looking one. He is cold. So like doesn't blink just looks straight through you sizes you up immediately. He's, you can tell he's like fucking ridiculously intelligent. He just, he, he's so good. Can you imagine they were thinking about like Al Pacino for this film? They were thinking about fucking Sean Connery for this film. Can you imagine? No one, no one could have done this. Like no, him. no one. It's so this begs a question. I have a question for you. Yeah. All right. So we're not going to do any, like usually we do games. This is so much about this movie. There's no real reason to do a game. Yeah. But one, I had a few questions and one of them is, um, is Anthony Hopkins, did, is he, did he make, is he to make the most use of his talent? I don't want to say overrated, underrated, but in other words, after this movie, I'm like, okay, this guy can probably do anything. Yeah. And he really, he had, don't get me wrong. He's been nominated for, for Oscars, for four Oscars since then. Right. But he, he never won another one. Um, he took a paycheck a lot of times. And yeah. his very next movie is a shitty one with, with uh, it's called Free Jack with Emilio Estevez oh, and yeah. Mick Jagger. I remember Free Jack. And it's a really bad movie, but like, yeah. but, and, and he did make some, like Howard's End. He's made some, you know, prestige yep. movies, but he never really, I don't no. think he ever uses. But how do you? I mean, this is, this is a well, well, generational mean, character. Al Pacino, I mean, he did a Godfather. Yeah, he still true. did good work out. Like, great, great work, Hall of Fame level. I mean, would you say Hopkins ever was Hall of Fame level again? I mean, he's good in Legends of the Fall. We talked about that on this show. Yeah. But he's not like, he's never this again. No, but he's 50. Or is he not? Or he's is he, 50 though. Like at this point, he, yeah, he built, true. built, built, built up to it. Like maybe, I don't know. What's Pacino's best film? What, when, what, and then, well, it's Godfather. But it's Godfather. And, and, then, and, and Serpico came first, but then he, you know, Dog of the Afternoon came after. Yeah. Right? Like that, but that, still Godfather's the best. So did he ever match his, did he ever match it afterwards? I mean, he's been great. I loved him in Heat. He's been well, great. Well, he's terrible in Heat. I you mean, think he's terrible yeah, in Heat? Yeah, well, let's, let's not have that. Okay, that's, a whole have different, that's a whole conversation. For Damn. Now. Yeah, well, he's, it's ridiculous. It's a cartoon character in Heat. I mean, mm. Heat's a great, he's, he's a good movie with a, that's, that's not, I don't want to talk about that now. Because uh, I'm going to go on for, I'm going to go on for half okay, an hour. Okay, let's not do it. But so, no, so every so. Pacino had a major cocaine problem in the 80s. And, oh, and after okay. that, then his career, then he becomes a cartoon character. Right, okay. But before 
like 82, 81 ish. He did great work. Uh, you're right. So maybe he never yeah, does. He never does. You're right. Because Godfather, he's, when's Godfather? Was 70. 72, right? And then Godfather yeah. 2 is 74. Right. Um, so and, that was kind and of Dog it. Day came out. And uh, I know I'm forgetting one. I'm sorry. Um, don't say cruising. If you're on the car, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't forget cruising, uh, but you know, but anyway, he never, he, right. I guess that's a good, it's a, good it's, point. A gen, it's a generational character. It's but like, guess, how do you ever, but I guess, okay, here's my, I guess here's my point. So with Pacino, yeah. with De Niro, with some of these, De Niro had a million great roles. Yeah, he did. Um, you know, you can name, you can rattle off. Oh, oh Pacino's great in uh, Gun Garrigan Ross. And I yeah, oh, that's right. But it's a smaller role, but yeah. Right. But like, so he, he obviously has his A level performance, but then there's a lot of like A minus level performances that Pacino does. Hopkins never really has an A minus level performance. He goes from like the A plus to like a B plus range. And he's so good. Legends he, of the Fall, though. I mean, that's not a, he never, he didn't get nominated for an Oscar. For no, that. he didn't. Like, no, but that's fine. Yeah, it was, but it was, it was, uh, it was, I mean, we liked it. He's good. In yeah, it, he's, like, I know. think he's really good in it. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, it was fine, but a lot of impressions of the show already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go back to that uh, episode and listen to us. Well, we she, are more about it, but she, uh, she's a great big fat person. Um, <laughs> no, but like, Jesus I, Christ. Because I, I, yeah, I do that. So just, so you, know, you do that at home. I do, at home, I do. I do the voice a lot at home. Jesus it just Christ. makes me laugh. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, how many times do you do that? I'm like, probably at least 12. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I guess my thing with Hopkins is he never reached that. How do you? Well, I say, well, De Niro did, but you know, did some of these guys yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, okay. I just right. and I wonder if he got distracted with taking because pay- uh, he's famous for taking paychecks. He's an odd guy. He um, so he has a daughter. Okay. And they've have they estranged now, and he's publicly said a number of times he doesn't care. He doesn't even know if he has a grandkid. He doesn't care. Uh. he's a weird guy. He had a major alcohol problem, and he got better, which that's nothing weird about that. But he seems to be this guy that keeps changing his life. Yeah. Um. He, I guess he's been, he claims he's being diagnosed as Asperger's, uh, a very mild level of it. But there's a lot of stuff going on with him. He's a very complex guy. He's obviously very bright. Yeah, and, yeah, of course. And uh, he's had this odd career. Where you, like you mentioned, he's, in the 60s, he was kind of a star. Yeah. Not a star star like, um, uh, like you know, Rock Hudson star, but he was a, he, he had celebrity. He was in The Lion Winner with uh, Richard Burton. He, yeah. He, he did stuff. In the 70s, he was like a character actor. Um, bigger, he's a stage actor. He's very talented, very obviously. Talented. Yeah. Um, but um, he never quite had that follow up role. So right? I don't, you you probably haven't seen this, but he's in Westworld, and he's I very, have seen he, it. Oh, you have seen. He's, he's very, very good. I think he's very. But good he's not that. great. I mean, this it's that's he's not iconic. I don't know it. how you could ever play, but this character is so fucking. Did awesome. this character fuck him then? Probably. Yeah, what do you do? I uh, mean, there's- That's true, because this is the best- Darth Vader, you have a mask, right? You, this is yeah, you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're this complete. is you. Yeah. And the very first shot of him is a full body shot. Yes. And he almost displays himself for you. He's fully exposed. Yes. So it's like, oh, so where do you- And actually, and this is this ties to my second point, uh, which is same thing with Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. Now, Jodie Foster at that point had- she, This was her second she's, Oscar. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, but this is young. the end of her- she's 28, 29 This is years the old. end of her like mountaintop peak. That's true. She's. I think she's great in contact. She is. She's so much fun in Maverick. So like she does some stuff in the 90s that are fun, but she never reaches this mountaintop again. And once again, neither does Jonathan Demme either. No one, no one who works in this movie ever, ever? comes close. Yeah, you're right. Because I was looking at, at Demme, the same thing. Uh, who, the, who's the screenwriter? Um, Ted Talley. Didn't do nope. anything else. I mean, Did, yeah. So I, no I, one. And obviously, I understand. You might say, "Oh, Chris, no shit's a perfect movie." No, yeah, you're right. Five, I'm, I'm not awesome. saying that, but I'm saying no one even did a movie that was even like really good again. I mean, you can make a case like his Hopkins got four Oscar nominations. He was in Nixon with Oliver Stone. Oh yeah, he's, yeah. He's good in that. Um, but uh, no one ever did anything that was you what you would define as great again. You're probably right. Yeah, you're right. And then that weird. You have so many people. You know what? This isn't. This isn't Roger Clemens 1986. This might be like Dwight Gooden 1985, uh, where you hit the peak and then, you know, Hopkins obviously had, had a much longer legs to it. And, De- and Demi did some, Rachel got, Rachel, uh, Rachel, was it Rachel got married? Um, I, I haven't oh, seen that yet. Yeah, I don't know uh, that one. And Hathaway, he got, yeah, yeah. got a very good buzz. Right. But he had, tr- he kind of had a hard time finding his way. He did Philadelphia, yeah. which is not a greatly directed, it's not a great directed movie. This movie's not. How did he do this one? That's what I didn't understand. How did he do this film so well? There was so much detail. Like when, oh, like when the, when the senator's daughter's in the well and she doesn't truly freak out until she sees the fucking broken nail, yes. you know, five feet above her. Yep. There's camera zooms on it. You see her and then you see her just completely fucking lose her mind. Like that sort of shit even, all over the place. There's this, detail everywhere. How is he this good in this film? He's got a worse drop off than... 
than Hopkins oh, or I was, Foster. No, all of them have a worse drop, drop off than Hopkins. But Hopkins well, even, also, but at least, I, I mean, yeah. Because yeah, you're right. Jodie Foster, right. I mean, Jodie's right. Panic Room was good. It was uh, good. It, it, it was yeah, you're okay. right. It's, it's, it's not you, you can make a case it's the worst Fincher movie. Yeah, you probably could. I mean, yeah, you're right. You know, and she's the Inside Man, good. which is like fine. I liked Inside Man. It's fine. But she's got a small role in it. It's and not I really think about she's her. a good actress. She is a good actress. But she's not. And Contact, so, she was good. Yeah. I think that's her. That's but probably I'm also a Contact fanboy a little bit. Yeah. But um, so Jodie Foster, they initially offered this to Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, and then Meg Ryan. Can you imagine either one of them fucking doing this? But no Michelle way. Pfeiffer was basically almost like agree to do it and then didn't at the last second. So I want to explain Glad. why I think that's a really bad move. So, and this is going to, um, this is something they would never talk about in the ringer, for instance. Um, cause they're a bunch of pussies. Is that what you're trying pretty to say? Much, yeah. Uh, in that, that they don't, they don't have any critics. They don't have the critic. Ringer has no movie critic on staff, right. which is not an accident. And they also shy away from stuff like this. So I think it's important to talk about cause it's a visual medium. Yeah. Uh, but Jodie Foster is a very attractive woman, obviously it's beautiful. Yeah. But I don't think she is beautiful. I'm gonna stop you there. Oh, I think she is. Okay, that's fine. I mean, but maybe. But, but she's but she's kind of she's not beautiful like Michelle Pfeiffer is. Would you no. agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I'm not the weenie. Jodie Foster is very, very, very pretty. Yeah. But I think this movie works for a lot of reasons because she's not beautiful. Okay, let's say it's Michelle Pfeiffer. A lot of this movie deals with women in the work dynamic. Absolutely. And how women are looked at. If it's Michelle Pfeiffer, she's being gawked at. It. I don't want to say it's excusable, but almost like makes. You might throw it away. Well, yeah, because it's Michelle Pfeiffer. They're all going to gawk at her. But if it's a more ordinary looking woman like Jodie Foster, it's more like, it's more real. It's like, oh shit, maybe I, you know, it kind of makes you think, like, you know, maybe we shouldn't leer at these women at the workplace. Well, if maybe we should treat these women with a bit more respect. And if you're really good looking, maybe you have a lot of confidence from that. Yes. Where Jodie Foster's is earned more because of, you know, she's very talented in other ways. She's extremely, you know, the character's really intelligent, top for class, all that stuff. I mean, I still think she's beautiful. She's they, beautiful. Well, but I know what you mean. I know what you I mean. I think I think beautiful has a has a, a is a difficult is a difficult thing to get your your hands around because you also see people say every woman's beautiful. Well, that's the case, and the word beauty has no meaning. That's true. Yep. Um, but no. uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is 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 a is a is a is a higher level of. And this is going to sound shitty to say. In my opinion, obviously, it's all beauty now. Yeah, yeah. Older. I think most Americans would agree Michelle Pfeiffer has a higher level of beauty than Jodie Foster. Okay, I don't feel that way, but I understand okay. why you do. Right. Yeah. I think it's a natural. A national consensus, basically, we okay. agree with that. Yeah. Um, uh, now, obviously, you mentioned, right, you could disagree. That's fine. Yeah. But, but Jodie Foster certainly looks more ordinary. And I think it's so important in this role. Um, and I think a lot, and I, I think it's funny watching this movie in 2020. I didn't notice it the first time I saw it, plus the first time I saw it at like 12. I yeah, yeah. But he's like, oh, wow, this movie was actually really ahead of its time when it comes to women in the workplace, how they're treated, how they react to things. There's a great scene uh, when she, um, when Scott Glenn, who's really good in this, yes. supposed to be Gene Hackman. Yep, I know. He which, which, he optioned the film, or he, he paid yeah, 500000 yeah, for the film or something, oof. and then failed, I guess. I, know. I don't know. Gene, bad day. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, Scott Glenn um, basically kind of says, hey, let's not talk about this in front of a woman. He's right. only doing it for a show. We all yes. you know that even in the audience at that moment. Yeah. But then Jodie Foster grimaces and, and you kind of like, well, you know, I remember the first time, I, you know, even watching it, I did a rewatch last year uh, just because I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, I, well that, I, I see what he's doing here. But then Jodie Foster makes a great point. She's like, hey, you know, other guys, see, you're the top dog. Yeah. Other, if you if you treat women like that, they're going to treat women like that. And he's like, oh, point taken. It's like, that was an incredibly intelligent discussion that about was. women in the workplace that happened in a 1991 movie that's completely relevant today. And it was just really cool to see. And I was like, whoa. Uh, and I think a lot, if, I said, if, it's a, if it's Michelle Pfeiffer, she's treated differently. Sure. Meg Ryan is too. Yeah. Meg Ryan yeah, like, I, always I plays very, and obviously it's a young role, but almost always seems young, naive. She does. Always seems like, uh, kind of like, it's uh, almost scared to be in the room. I know she's encouraged under fire, which is different. But yeah, especially this time in 91, she hadn't been in a movie like that. Jodie Foster has always had an edge of toughness. She just came off of Q's. Right. Which, I mean, Jesus Christ, it's right. a brutal movie. Yeah. Uh, and she's always, she, fuck, Taxi, taxi Driver. driver right, as a kid. I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah, I yeah. mean, so Jodie Foster has a toughness she that does. makes her incredibly believable in this role, too. And she's uncomfortable in the beauty role. You see her, you see the character have a hard time in heels. She's yes. walking in heels and she's like oh, all so over the place. And uh, so- as I, I guess you could say, I knock Jodie Foster. No, I think Jodie Foster is incredibly pretty. Yeah, I knock beautiful. her. Jodie Foster also has acting chops. None of these women have. No. Meg Ryan, Michelle Pfeiffer, no. Jodie Foster. Nope. I mean, can Smokes act. Them. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, it's kind of a shame that Jodie Foster turned to more directing. Although I understand, she's a very bright person. Yeah. She went to Yale, I think, and she, she's incredibly smart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think I think some acting might may have kind of bored her at one point. But unfortunately, she's not a great director. Yep. So as long as she's wasting her time. 
The other thing, um, going back to uh, females in the workplace yeah. and that type of thing, the two men that matter most in this film are the only two men that do not underestimate her. Yes. Right? And the only two men that don't um, want her sexually. Now, there is a little moment. So they, they, they make this parallel oh, between Hector. Both of them touch her hand. And like the last time you see them, Hannibal Lecter touches her finger yep. gently. It, it's, um, I mean, it's definitely, there's connection there. It's a little, it's, it's soft. I don't and, see it as romantic though. It's a little, it is, it's intimate. That's how I looked at it. It's, it's an mm. intimate move. And it was the same, same thing with Glenn. It was an intimate move, but I didn't think it was sexual. It is more sexual with Glenn. I agree. There's, Absolutely. So, okay, so question for you. Does Scott Glenn's character want to fuck Jodie Foster's character? Yes, but, he, but right? he's a nice guy. But well, he's a nice guy. No, no, I mean- He's like, not a nice guy. He put, he put this girl in this fucking- No, he's like, no. Uh, what I mean is like his persona, it, he thinks of himself as a nice guy, so he would never cross that line. That's interesting. But there is the intimate, I agree with that. There's that. Scott intimate. Glenn definitely thinks he's a good guy. He does, right. Where Lecter, there is no, he no. is a fucking monster. But he has that- I don't that, think Lecter wants to fuck Jodie Foster. I don't think so either. I think he, I think he- Understood what she was, understood that she was willing to be vulnerable, honest, very intelligent woman, and be like completely straight with him, saw that, recognized it, and was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mess with, I'm not gonna kill her, and I don't wanna fuck her. She's she's great. It's just the way she is. I also don't think Buffalo Bill wanted to fuck her. <laughs> Wait, who didn't? Buffalo Bill. No, no. <laughs> I don't know what no, he, don't know, we don't. he's got a lot of things going on. He's pretty mixed up. So that's a, so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, so I think this movie ages incredibly well. Oh, now, yeah. there's going to be some people from, I imagine, the left who, uh, not that this is a right-wing po uh, podcast at all. It's not. No. But I'm guessing in this situation, uh, so, you know, some special interest groups may have some problems. And in fact, it even did at the time. It did, yeah. Um, I think they go out of their way to say that- This guy who, is fucked up. People who are transsexuals are not violent Exactly. People. No. This guy didn't know what he wanted. He didn't know anything. He was, he was a psychopath. And yeah. he just wanted to make himself- as far removed from what he is as he possibly could. Now I say this as a, as a straight white guy. So I know, yeah, I, know yeah, uh, I guess, I guess, you know, coming up with no opinion, according to some people. Yeah. We might uh, see it differently in a different, with a different right, lens, but we might have a different perspective. But they do say they go out of their way to say that people who, especially in 1991, people who are transsexuals are Jody not says it. Um, violent. Yeah. And they, what, but they really right. go out of their way to say that. They do. In the yeah. Movie. And, um, uh, which I was shocked to see in 1991. Yeah. I don't remember seeing that issue dealt with so sensitively. Although I say sensitive, I know that I know the main villain in this movie is, <laughs> right. is right. that it is, although he's not even, but he's not a transsexual he's not. and they try to go out of their way to say it. Um, he, he's just, he's just someone who's not, he's barely a human being. It has nothing to do with sex. Uh, although Absolutely. I guess on some level it does, but on some level it doesn't. And you're right. Exactly. He's mimicking human behavior. He can't even be a human. Right. Um, but it, I, th I thought there was interesting, complex. There's so many complexities in this movie that are relevant today. Yeah. That are like, how crazy is that? This is beyond the fact that it's one of the most beautifully shot movies ever. It's just the complexities of it are, are and it's layer upon layer That's upon the thing, layer. There's so much depth. Not only that, but it's also a really good action slash thriller. Absolutely. Enthralling the entire way. I mean, you know, I, to be honest, I have a hard time sometimes watching these films. I'm playing on my phone a little. If, we're, if we have are to watch really? your. If we have to watch yours, mine, and ours, I mean, Jesus Christ, but I had no- That was for the, that was for the YouTube show. How about the podcasters? Do you used to watch those? Oh, no, I watched them all, but all you right. know, I get fidgety if they're beast, like Poseidon. Fucking Jesus Christ. I, I, I sat through it. I, I, no, I sat through it too. I, no, I'm watching it. All right, all right. No, I'm paying attention. You usually but, do, because I, I would notice everything. Yeah, no, I yeah, know the right. films. It's not that. It's just like I get like, eh. And, no, they're not good. Know, some, of, some of them are not good. Not good, but I had no, no drive to be anything but- with oh. this film the entire time. I will say sometimes I watch them in like, uh, I might watch like an hour one night and yeah. I watch an hour the second night. This one, I just once I pressed play. I, I, I knew, I, I knew I'm like, oh, I'm, in for, I'm in for the ride here. Can you imagine a more terrifying situation than having to go into uh, Buffalo Bill's basement with the light off and By try yourself? to fucking kill that? Like what the? By yourself. And, and the great thing is like, oh, this is such a good movie. The great thing is like Jodie Foster plays it Scared. She is scared. Yeah, you can see like she's in a, in a breathing weak, heavy. In a weaker movie. I think a movie made now in this. They wouldn't have shown her vulnerability. No. She she would get like, you know, go in Hulk mode and then yeah. she's the strongest woman man ever. Right. And then she kills all the bad guys no. because she's a woman and it's great. It's like, no, she's a human being and she's fucking terrified like anyone would be. Anyone would be. And I think in a lot of ways she comes out as more heroic because I can completely relate. I would be so fucking Absolutely. scared. Absolutely. I yeah. would never, you know what I would no. do if Buffalo Bill ran away? He, he, I love how he just throws a bit, the cards in the air and like walks away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he just like- Saunters off. Right. I think if that happened to me, you know what I do? 
I go back to my car and go, hello, or 911, let's, you know, or whatever. Like, can we get some backup? That was one of actually my, that was the one criticism that I had is what, why wouldn't she have? Because she knew someone was downstairs. I know, but like, but you know, he's not going to be able to go anywhere. So the fear is that he would just go down and kill her. But we then that was downstairs. Yeah, you're right. You're we right. We don't know there's an escape pad or, I mean, he had a fucking well down there. That's true. Uh, you know, you don't know. And what's, what if he kills the girl? Yeah, you're right. Um, I guess so. I guess so. Takes, takes. I don't know. I, I think Real I would have taken. I would have taken the one minute uh, to call backup and then probably gone down. That's probably what I would have done. No backup was weird. That yeah. was weird. That was tough. I guess, but I understand what you mean, and I can understand that decision. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that also happens quick. Is isn't it a lot totally of time? Does. Her, yeah, no, there isn't. She has to make a split decision. She's like, I'm going to go save this woman. One, and- of, one of the greatest uh, movie heroes ever, uh, right? You know, her. You know, I, I'm a huge Martin Brody from Jaws fan. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm mentioning kind of the same movies because these movies are just so. Ex- this is like expert in its craft, and, and uh, so Tak Fujimoto was the cinematographer in this. Yeah. So I, I'm a huge Tak Fujimoto fan. Uh, he did uh, the cinematographer uh, first Beaver's Day Off. Oh, which yeah. is uh, you know a funny movie, yeah. but think about some of the shots in that movie. Um, the shots when they're uh, you know uh, on uh, it was, I think they're in the Willis Tower, right? And they're, yep. and they're or when they're in the art museum. Yep. Uh, think about and think about even the beauty of how they show suburbia. Um, and just think about how that movie is shot because look at other John Hughes movies; they don't look the same. Yeah. Um, and you can see this where so the other movie, another movie he did that I'm a huge fan of. We talked about it um, uh, on our last podcast. I think the people might have most listened to is Sixth Sense. That's right. Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you about. You said Sixth Sense is the best horror film ever. Do you consider this a horror film? I do not. You don't? I do not. Okay. Now, I don't want to get too much into genre because I think genre- No, is, I know, I know. Also, with beauty is the eye of the beholder a little yeah, bit. Yeah, of course. Because um, I was going to say, this is a better film than Sixth Sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Although, I say absolutely. It's hard for me to say. No, Sixth Sense you know, is a great funny. film. So here, this goes back to it. I Sixth Sense is- Oh, God, it's hard. I don't know. I was going to say Sixth Sense is higher in my personal rankings than Silent. Maybe not really? anymore. I don't know. Maybe not. The thing That's about, a great film. Oh, God. I hope yeah, it's uh, great. You know, I, I just, these are, we're talking about like, the thing, I know, the thing I know. It sucks. Like, I hate, I hate, it was like, oh, you're seven, number seven movies. They're, number, they're all fucking great. Yeah. These are great movies. Silence of the Lambs, I would say, is a, is a better made film. It is. Sixth Sense. Oh, Having yeah. said though, Sixth Sense is really well made. It is. Um, This is a better movie than Sixth Sense. I can't. I, I, but Sixth Sense is shot beautifully. It is. Uh, and there's so many iconic, just think of like, just images in your mind of the movie. Like there's like the still, like the stillness of it. I think Fujimoto is a genius. Um, and he also did Signs, which is a, a movie yep. I can see. I, the, I love Signs. Oh, me too. I think it's so underrated. There's under, three or so four of, of his films that I love. Signs is one of them. And uh, Sixth Sense. I actually, uh, The Village too, I love. And uh, Unbreakable, those four. Did he do Unbreakable? Yeah. Yeah. Unbreakable has a lot of iconic shots too. Yeah. Talk Fujimoto is great. Um, oh, he, I don't know if Talk did Unbreakable. Yeah, I don't think I'm sorry. Did, I, 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 no, I'm sorry. I'm, I was just Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Yeah, yeah. I, it's different there. I don't think, I don't think Fujimoto did I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. He did. I know he did The Village, which is not, does not work. Um, I like The Village a lot. Uh, not The Village. I'm sorry. Uh, not Village. Uh, the Happening. No, The Happening is the worst piece of shit movie I've ever seen. He it is, to, it is one of the worst Five films I've ever seen. It's really bad. Going, yeah, I agree. We're going okay. down a rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. So Talk Fujimoto, though, uh, he definitely, Talk Fujimoto definitely did Sixth Sense and definitely did Signs. Okay. And, great films. Yeah, and they're great films. And they're shot beautifully, though. Just think about, like I said, think about even like the gifts. Like you'll see gifts of stuff. Yeah. Like the gif of like uh, Joaquin Phoenix and he like, he sees something. I use it Joaquin? all the time. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. When he sees something and he like, he gets scared. He <laughs> runs almost back into the closet. Yes. It's just really great shot. It's really well directed. It's said with no, he's not, he goes, Oh, like he covers his mouth and runs back yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. But think about the camera doesn't move. And that's Fujimoto. And think uh, about the lighting in that scene. Yeah. So, and that same brilliance is on display for the entirety of this film. You know what I thought, what to me, I felt like you moved with the characters all the time in this film. You're you're uh, you're in the car. You're moving with the car. You're in the plane. You're moving with the plane. It's all. It's or you're walking yes. with you know. You're with Jody through you know underground fucking facing off with mm-hmm. Bill. I just I felt like I was with them the entire time, moving with them the entire. time. Or you're time. seeing it from their eyes. Or you're seeing it from literally. Their eyes. Yep. That, or that's right. Or they're looking right at you, which is very odd. That's it. Too. There's a lot of upshots. Did you notice that? Yes. Which is almost like you know because Jody you know Foster's yes, looking exactly up at the, right. the wall she's so, the whole time. She's so small. Or from the well, you're like you're looking up right. Yep. And because it's, it's also showing the display of power. Yes. Exactly. There's so many yeah. things in this movie. So many like great little details like that. Damn. Um, so good. If you have if you haven't seen it a while, go rewatch it again. It's, it, I promise it holds up. I promise you will be riveted the entire time. Especially if you have like a spouse that hasn't seen it. Or something it's even more fun it's just so great i i uh this is the best movie we've seen definitely this is an um, a film for me a, as well a yep. plus uh, this is a uh, this is as good as it gets yeah um this is this you don't get 
We're not going to, I mean, maybe we'll do a movie where I have ranked higher. Because I try, when I do the rankings on Twitter, I do rankings on Twitter of our top five movies and our bottom, bottom five, five that we've yeah. seen. And I, it's my personal choice. Sure. Um, but I know I got I know I got some hot water before for like saying The Goonies isn't a great movie. The Goonies is not a great movie. The Goonies is a very enjoyable movie. It's a movie. very fun movie, yeah. Uh, and this is kind of that same mentality where I think Back to the Future is a more fun movie. Um, but, but this is a better Silence movie. Silence is a better movie. Silent, it's hard to say anything other than Godfather is better than Silence of the Lambs for me. Like, I don't know if there's any... Like, I think... I'm such a Jaws. I'm a huge Jaws fan. Like, Martin Brody's my favorite character ever. <laughs> um, I think this is a better movie than Jaws, potentially. Yeah. Like, th- this is like... This, and it's, it's also really... It's not like a boring, like... Howard's End Merchant Ivory movie. This no, is a really not. entertaining a action movie. Yeah, I think exactly. it's an action. I call it a suspense thriller. Yeah, if yeah, I, that if works. I had to do a genre. Yeah, it's, it's not a horror. I guess it's, it's, it's like not a horror. I heard it interesting. I think it might be even on the ring. A thriller versus a horror. Mm. Like horror to me is like a whole different thing than a thriller. This is a thriller. Yeah. Um. That's my genre. If you have different genre things, I'll love to hear it. Maybe we will even put that in the poll. Like, how do you you know what do you consider Sons of Lambs like? Action, horror, thriller. What do you? Know, is yeah. That an interesting question to ask. I don't know. Like, yeah, it might be. Yeah. Um, any other things about Silence? I think that's it. It's a perfect movie. You should go fucking see it. Uh, and, we didn't uh, talk. I do want to talk one more thing about it. All right, sure. Um, I want to talk about the Oscars because it was the last. Oh movie. yeah, that's right. So the last movie to sweep the Oscars. Swept. Yeah. When, right. and, but the, so it swept the, the when, when someone says it sweeps the Oscars, it only happened three times. Uh, it happened one night. Um, one for the cuckoo's nest and this. Yeah. Um, what that means is you won the actor, actress, director, picture, and screenplay. Um, it's only happened three times. Uh, and this movie only won those five awards. So imagine, I, yeah. I do remember because I imagine because I was doing it. When I was watching it that night, uh, it had not, uh, T2 had come out that year. That's right. And that swept all the technical awards, which it usually did. happened earlier in the night. Yeah. So by the time it got later into the evening, Silence of the hadn't won a single thing. And then an hour later, it completely dominated the night, yeah. which is a wild hour of television that is. because it totally took, it didn't take anyone by surprise. But remember. No, but it took a turn. It did. And remember, um, Bugsy had won the Golden Globe. Not Silence of the Lambs. That's the oh, Warren yeah. Beatty film. Yeah, I remember. And Anthony Hopkins did not win Best Actor uh, in the in the Golden Globes that year. Oh. So it wasn't like as much as we think of him as a complete lock. I think Nick Nolte won for Prince of Tides, the Golden Globe. Oh, that's right. So and I think the that Golden film. Globes is always Lowenstein. a pretense. Yes, that's right. <laughs> not It's not always a, a pretense for the Oscars. But yeah. it is kind of, a, it just shows you that it wasn't, wasn't predetermined. You think you about it now, you happen. would think like, oh, it's Anthony Hopkins in, in a, but it, not necessarily. Um, so here, I do want to kind of talk about what they were up against and kind of what, it, what it's, I think 1991 is kind of a, a better year for movies than people give it credit for. Okay. So the, the, uh, the nominees that year were Silence of the Lambs. This is picture. Best picture, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, which is very strange at the time. Not, no animated movie, I don't think, had ever been nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Um, Bugsy, which was the Warren Beatty gangster movie. I remember. Um, that when There was a false nose on someone that I thought was weird. Might have been. One of the bad characters. Yeah. Bad guys, yeah like yeah. mushy, mushy or yeah. mush mouth or something. I yeah, remember. That's Dick Tracy. This is oh, Bugsy. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm, okay, yeah, I'm conflating the two. Dick, Dick Tracy. Yeah, you're right. You're right, you're right. Yes. Dick yeah, Tracy, sorry about that. Dick Tracy did come out a year earlier. Okay. Which is uh, yeah, Dick that's Tracy. I, this was more like a, trying to be like a sweeping gangster epic. Okay. Um, than like a comic book movie. Right. Dick Tracy, by the way, underrated. Huh. Uh, Bugs, so, so this, so Silence of the Lambs came out in February of 91. Yeah. You would never release an Oscar movie in February. You'd release your Oscar yeah, movie. because people would forget. Exactly. Right. Bugsy came out, and Bugsy was the movie that was supposed to be Best Picture. Mm. So the fact that it came out in February and won is crazy. Um, JFK, which was supposed yep. to be like the uh, the bad boy, and it was, and it, but JFK by the way is a crazy fucking movie. Um, that was uh, kind of supposed to be the also random Bugsy. And then Prince of Tides, which is yep. kind of like, hey, you know, we're, we're here too. Uh, and Read then, the book, like the book. Silence of the Lambs really on paper should never have been in this argument. It's a, it's a thriller suspense movie. It's better than all those films though. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. But it's just crazy that cause no horror movie has ever won best picture. Right. Um, and not too many thrillers. Have, I can't think of a single thriller that has either. So, uh, best director is where it gets interesting though. So you, Demi won that and you have Levinson for Bugsy. Yep. Always Stone for JFK. Yep. Ridley Scott for Thelma and Louise. Oh, that's right. I forgot it was that year. And John Singleton in his very first movie nominated for Boys in the Hood. Oh, yeah. Which okay. I just did a rewatch of uh, a few seen it weeks forever. ago. Um, it's, it's, it's not, it's funny. It's got, it was really not very well directed. Um, it, the screenplay is very good and personal. He wrote that as well. Yeah. Um, but it's not a terribly, but he did not get nominated for best picture. He only got, he got best director. He was only 20, the youngest director at that time ever to get nominated for best director. Really? Yeah. Cause wasn't Spike, uh, Spike, um, I don't think Spike, we got nominated or if he did, he for was, do the he right thing. I thought he, I thought he I was, think I was younger. 
Was he really? I, I thought so. Spike you can do like have the fact check. Yeah, we, we should look. Yeah. Uh, best actor Hopkins, uh, obviously one. Beatty, uh, Warren Beatty for Bugsy. Robert De Niro for Cape Fear. Oh yeah, that's wow. Who? Jesus Christ. You know, he's good, but De- Hopkins is so much better because De Niro kind of almost becomes a cartoon in that movie. He's like, who's more frightening to you? You know, Hopkins. Uh, Katie, uh, you yeah. know the Katie character right, or, right. or Lecter. Lecter, Lecter, right? Yeah, of course. It's, well, that's because he's the uh, you know second best villain but it, ever but, but isn't it funny though De Niro on paper you think like if you never had you know think about 1990 if you're a film going audience you would think it would be you'd be like oh De Niro De and Katie's going to be so much scarier right, right. yeah uh, but uh, Hopkins playing it so still is so frightening and then Nick Nolte for, and then Robin Williams for Fisher King oh I forgot about that yeah. uh, for actress Jodie Foster Gina Davis for Thelma and Louise yeah Laura Dern for Rambling Rose her mother Diane Ladd got nominated for best supporting actress for the same movie don't know that film um uh, Laura Dern, of course, won the uh, supporting actress uh, this year for a Marriage Story. I haven't seen it. Oh, no, it's on Netflix. You should see it. It's good. All right, I'll see it. See it. It's with uh, Scarlett Johansson and uh, Adam Driver. It's good. Yeah. Uh, Bette Midler for, for the boys. Bette Midler, we've talked about before on the <laughs> right. show. And then Susan Sarandon for Demo Louise. Both, both Demo Louise girls got nominated for, uh, for this one. Um, so, yeah, just a kind of fun just to look into what was nominated at that time and just shows you the competition. It was a decent competition. Uh, it wasn't like Silence Williams swept in an incredibly easy year. No. There were some decent movies out there. Um, but Silence of the Lambs, the best movie of the nineties, the best movie ever. Probably. I well, mean, you can start. Have, I, mean, I, I think Godfather's like higher, the, but I saw the rankings. Like, was it the AFI, the film yeah. Institute rankings? This it's like 60 something. Well, what those, those are also slanted up. toward old movies. It, it really is. But I'm like, like Pulp Fiction's like 70. It's just, yeah, that, that yeah, list no. is kind of stupid. Yeah. All right. Uh, the, if you look at that list you can see who votes on it and stuff. That like, shit will change in another 20, 30 years. Probably, yeah. I would think, they because, really go out of their, I think they, to their credit, they go out of their way not to give, they give the it, they don't want to put a modern movie up too high and then have it look bad on them, so they're more likely to give the older movies a a, a, a kind of a free ride, if you will, and, they, and they're more likely to take those off and move the, right the older ones. So yeah, Silence Lambs, uh, you can make case the greatest movie of my lifetime. Watch it. Uh, so next we're going to talk about Whitney Houston's All the Man That I Need. All the passion I just had for Silence of the Lambs. No passion here? Zero. Oh, that's too bad because it's a really good song. That's no, not, but okay. No, it is. Okay. It is. No. So last week we we talked about adult contemporary. We've talked about adult contemporary a lot on this podcast, how I really think it's kind of the the lowest form, art form in, in music. I agree with you. And it's because it's it's become a catch-all for kind of the least challenging or least moving um songs in a bunch of different genres. Like it's kind of this catch all of easy, you know, it's just easy listening music. It can be background music. It doesn't challenge you in any way, but there are songs that you do consider adult contemporary that do have depth and do have meaning to them. And this is one of them. Doesn't do it for me. I know it doesn't do it to you. Uh, do it for this you. Is, but this is maybe our biggest disagreement on, mu- on music yet. Cause usually we're pretty much in lockstep. I yeah, think. we are. Uh, but I think, I mean, this really comes from a place of I, I think you have to have a, stu- you really have to study music for it. To, oh, to- oh, you just pissed off. Our- <laughs> no, you don't, Matt. I never pull that shit with you in the movie. You don't have to study music. It's I'm just saying I can college I, no. to fucking understand if a song is good or not. If, Wrong. No. Terrible thing. <laughs> if I, I oh, 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 that's going to piss everybody. I, do you hear that? Come God, after me, warning, motherfuckers. This guy, Warden or does Matt Splains. I want you to fucking quote tweet that. You know this will never make the podcast, right? I'm just going to cut this shit right now. That is the worst thing you have on this show. I didn't mean it to be condescending like that. The whole bullshit? No, I could, no, because what I mean is adult contemporary music is really easy to pass over if you just, if like for people like us who like, I don't know, who like uh, more alternative music. Right. It's easier to pass over. But for me, it's because like it, it's harder for me to pass over because I, First of all, I have a lot of appreciation for what Whitney Houston can do as a technician, but I also see the big difference between her and someone like Mariah Carey. And okay. I also see a big difference between the song construction of this song versus, you know, One Sweet Day. It, this is like totally different. In- all right, enlighten me, Mr. Chips. Okay. Well, first of all, let's talk about Whitney a little bit. So she died. Let's, at four, let's talk about it. Yeah. Cause actually, she, she died at 48 years old. Crazy, That's right? fucking su- sucks. So she died in her bathtub. She drowned. She, I know she had like co- I well, think that, had cocaine and that drugs. Wasn't system. She, and I brought up the Dwight Gooden analogy earlier. Yeah. This works out perfectly with yeah, that yeah, in some yeah. way, in tragedy ways. Where yeah. She had all this talent. So much and talent. And in the late nineties, she got, she just fell into drugs and it completely destroyed her career. Destroyed her. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, I was wondering, I was actually on the drive over here. I was thinking, yeah. I listen to the song. Don't get me wrong. I agree with you. This song is better than the Mariah Carey song we did last This year. has depth. Um, we'll talk about it. Right. It's, it's more interesting. But, yep. you know, you're like, man, is fame a good thing? Like, Michael Jackson. Like, if you told me in 1988, Whitney Houston was going to be, like, you know, this drug addict and this kind of a mess, 
I would have been like, are you crazy? She's like, she seems like she has all of her shit together. Depends on what you value. I know as a, as a young, you know, musician, I was like, okay, if I, um, if I make album an album or albums that like move the fucking world that, that are considered, you know, top 10 albums ever, and I die at 35, that's fine for me. I think it's, I think it's what children think. I don't, is, that's right. That's right. That's what kids think. As an adult, I do not want that at all. That's not the like these people. That's not what I want. I want to be so, happy. These people seem so unhappy. Exactly. Yeah. Like, she seems so unhappy. Like, uh, and you know, is, is this like, is iconic fame a good thing? Elvis, like, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's good. I was, I was trying to think, if, I was like, all right, well, who's iconic that, it's like someone like Tom Hanks. I don't know if Tom Hanks is iconic. He's not like, it's a different level of fame. It's different, yeah. Like that iconic nature. And I was, I was actually, I got to give Mariah Carey a little bit of credit. Yeah, because she's that, still alive. She's still she's alive. 50, she's, she's still alive. She's not like she's not a complete train wreck. Right. And uh, you know, it's like, oh, all right, she kind of has her shit somewhat together. Yeah. Um, these other people, you know, uh, Diana Ross, another example of someone who, who's always survived this. Right. But it's like, man, I Beyonce seems to have her shit together. Uh, actually, a great example. I mean, she's she's still yes. young. She's maybe she's forty now or she's something. About my or age, she's about forty. Yeah, yeah. Marriage, yeah. Uh, but she seems like right. she's got her shit. I would together. agree. And she's she's on this level of. But Britney of Spears went crazy. Like, she did. You know, it's like, man, I give anyone who. Can survive. I give some a lot of credit. Like as much as we knock Mariah Carey, I don't think she's very talented. As far as like, I she's very talented. She's, got a great, she's a technician. Yeah, great. But I don't think she's incredibly creative. Is right. best I got to give her a lot of credit for at least like surviving this madness. Absolutely. Because like, oh, man, this this it doesn't seem like a fun life. No, I I agree. I agree. I would much rather be. Um, I'd rather be me. Like this, like nobody. Like I'd rather be a nothing. You know, nothing in the f- sense of fame, but have like a life where I have family mm. and friends who love oh, me. Oh yeah, that's that's good too. And like, oh, oh wow, no one knows my. You know what? No one's gonna know Whitney Houston's name in 150 years either. Who yeah, is, who gives who's a shit the about big that? singer in 1874? No one fucking knows. Right. No, but that's not why. That's not why I would want more fame than I have. I want more fame than I have because it frees me to do the art that I want to do. But there's a level though where it destroys totally. your life. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I would not want to be that level. No I, way. I, 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 I just want I just want like a happy life. You know, whatever gets me there is, is great. But th- this level of iconic, I, 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 it's too much. Yeah, it is way too much. It destroys much. people. So she sold 200 million albums. I mean, that is, that's a shit ton. She had four. No, I'm sorry. Was it six top 20 songs in this album? Oh yeah, exactly. Right. From this one album, this, this, from this, this one album, which is her third album. Um, she's the only artist to ever have two consecutive number one singles on the hot 100 chart. Like Two. one right after another. She's the only one? She's the only one to ever do that. Really? It was Saving All My Love For You and Where Do Broken Hearts Go. Those back-to-back number ones. What's your favorite Whitney Houston song? Ooh. I Want to Dance With Somebody's my favorite. That's a great one, actually. That, that's, that's fun. That's, that's so fun. It is really that's fun. What I like. I like, I I like, mean, like more fun music. So I wouldn't call it that. There's a difference between what do I like best and what do I think is her best. Oh, the same that's movie discussion t- we just had. Right, that's a tough one. That's a great song. I really like that one. Um, I think like... I will always love you is probably her best because she is so exposed in that song. She yeah. starts at acapella. No one does that. Nothing else. No instrumentation, just her voice. And the beautiful thing about Whitney Houston is, is she can be so brittle and soft and vulnerable and then have so much power and command all in that same all in that same body. Like it is really it is impressive. It's impressive. I'm not awesome. a big fan of that genre. I'm not a big fan of that. So I've never listened to that song on my own, but you can't help but hear that song and think, whoa, this person is, is talented. And this is the difference. This is the big difference between someone like Mariah Carey okay. and someone like Whitney Houston. It's, and it's the same thing. So you, we talked about this last, last time in the podcast, Aretha Franklin is number one for me, female. She's one of my top favorite vocalists ever. The difference between people at that level are who, who are they being surrounded by? Who are their surrounding characters? Whitney Houston had people writing music for her or with her that were way better than Mariah Carey. Way better. So I Will Always Love You is a cover. That's a Dolly Parton song. Uh, this song, um, this whole album, she didn't write, the, she, she didn't write, she didn't yeah. have a single writing credit on this album, I don't think. That's right. Um, this was originally written by Michael Gore and Dean, uh, Dean oh, yeah. Pitchford in 1981. Who, who have both won Oscars. Who, did they really? Yeah, for fame. And, oh, that's right. They, they wrote a song for fame. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yes. Uh, Gore, uh, won two Oscars for fame. Right. Pritchard won one for fame. They'd done fo- they both got nominated for at least four different movies for Oscars. These are like that Pritchard Gore. I, I didn't really know my, I had, actually, yeah, yeah, I had I never had heard of them before. Yeah, I didn't know them. Yeah. They're incredibly, they've, Very, they've done yeah. way more than you think. Totally. Uh, I was really impressed when I started looking at their, uh, their resume. I was like, holy shit. And you know what? This song had the makings of a complete bullshit flop because you had baby love produce it. Oh no, we hate baby love. And you had, Kenny G play the sax oh, solo on this. This, 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 this song's kind of lame, dude. No, it's an awesome it song. Not. It's awesome. Um, 
But because the writing is so good, the orchestration is so good around it. Like there's so deep. You got these plinky on in fucking one sweet day last week. You've got these plinky, stupid piano tones. You've got you and terrible you have lyrics. Once you do terrible, the are and these are good lyrics. You yeah, have terrible lyrics. You've got the, all the boys to men guys and Mariah Carey. All they're doing the entire time is ooh, 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 the entire time. That's that song. This song is phenomenal writing and orchestration. You've got a beautiful, um, you got beautiful back uh, background choir singing, supporting her. You've got awesome orchestra in the background, a full like band instrumentation, like Spanish guitar. Like that Spanish there, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a sound. Yeah, it has yeah. a very, has a very like, right. sp- yep. uh, Spanish sound to it at times. It's it's light, but it's there. Right. So that's like the difference is there's just the surround the stuff that surrounded um, Whitney Houston. The people that surrounded her were just way better, way better. Like not cheesy. Like people who surrounded Mariah Carey. They have the same Mariah Carey. They are both. I would say they're equally talented in their command of their voice. Probably. I put them in the same kind okay. of same like level. Incredible, incredible singers. Incredible sure. singers. But the difference is Whitney just had, she just had the support around like that, that showcased her voice in such an amazing way. It just allowed her to be fully expressive. Uh, where Mariah Carey, it's, it's a lot of technician. It's a lot of highs, a lot of intervals, like a lot of jumping around, a lot of flourishes. Whitney can do that shit too, but she's allowed to express herself the whole way. As I said before, like in a very, you know, you can empathize with her, you know, very, she can be very soft and vulnerable to very powerful. And that's if, what if you I'm, want. If I'm a Mariah Carey fan, although I doubt any are listening at this point, yeah. uh, I might say this, like, all right, well, great. But like, let's talk about longevity though. Mariah Carey's had a 30 year career. She's still going strong. That's true. Uh, Whitney Houston, you know, couldn't make it 15 she, years before she completely melted down. She was young. She was 19 when she was signed. I think her first album came out when she was 21. So she probably did. She had a 20 year career. She, her last well, hits yeah, were she like did, uh, right. 2008 or nine or something. I think. Right. But she also had like a, a period in the early 2000s when she was like on that Bobby Brown show. Like yeah, she, you're right. She, it was like a five year, six year. Real, like, after 15 years, she fell into drugs. I mean, that's yeah. just what happened. Yep, I you're mean, right. You know, even yeah. less than that. It was like 13 years. She fell into drugs. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. She had a couple songs in the back end, but you know, but remember we talked about Mariah Carey's biggest album was like, something 30 million sold mm. the body cards uh, guards soundtrack which whitney houston did was like 55 million sold yeah so you said it was one of the top we were, we were i think it was, it was the top yeah, that's like up there top five yeah. or something it was so i mean there i don't know they're not i mean uh, mariah carey can keep putting out albums from here forward i don't think that she'll have the same impact as no as well whitney. she's also older now but i there's something to be said for longevity though. Yeah, absolutely i agree like, you know don sutton's in the hall of fame for a reason now he, yes. he never was a, a never won a Cy young but he was consistently good for Forever. a long yeah. time you're right you know what's more valuable that person is someone who has like a higher peak um that's a good you know it's a question to have i guess but i think i think whitney houston who will be remembered more in 40 years i think whitney houston will be she had a bigger impact at the time i don't think either will be remembered in 100 years no probably not I mean, I mean, no one knows who Mary Pickford is. No, do you? Yeah, she's an actress from like the like the silent era. Okay. Yeah, no, she no. created UA. She created United Artists. Oh, really? One of the four people that she was one of the biggest stars in the world. Well, Jesus. Yeah, and a hundred years ago, but no, but you're right, and I don't expect anyone to know. Who it's she is. different though. Now, it like the record, the ability that we have to record art is so much better than it was whenever that happened. I guess. 80, 90 years but, ago. Like, I think there are movies that are lost to time. Like you can't see them anymore. Right. They're, they're disintegrated. But there's and gone. like I saw Buster Keaton silent film, and I'm. I'm I know, like, but uh, but no one else is going. To, like, everyone in the fucking theater was like thousand years old. Yeah. And, you know, they had COVID in that theater. No I'm one just survived. Saying you could like right. Uh, you you. Right now, you will be a hundred years from now. You will be able to find all this. No stuff. one's it going will to be want cataloged. to do that. Who's listening they to like Mel Torme now? Yeah, maybe not. No well, one. Some is. people. Some people. Oh yeah, they're they're, they're dying of COVID. <laughs> no one's listening to fucking Mel Torme right now. No, 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 no right. one is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't know. Some maybe some of these. But that was my iconic. point of like, I, you know, what, 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 was it worth it? I don't know. So, do you have any anything else on the song? I, I don't like this song. I'm sorry. Fuck off. I know. What are you talking about? <laughs> It's a fair point. <laughs> I want to tell you one detail. Okay. One detail about the song. So, so there's, I, I've told you before that the difference, like the things that I, I really, it's, it's the little things in music we've talked about. There's only 12 notes. So it's, it's how you arrange them. It's all the other stuff around it. It's the details that show the love in the song. And for this, the reason why, one of the reasons why, one of the small details in the song is the way that they, um, they write bet- the verse and the chorus. It's it's so this is in an um, an F minor key. 
And it starts going, uh, but it doesn't, normally when you when you have a song in a particular key in like F sharp minor, the first chord in the song and the last chord in the song would probably start and end on it. That's not what happens. In this one, it starts in the four chord. So the, the verse goes between this B minor to this F sharp minor. But what they do in the chorus is they go backwards. They go the other way. He fills me up, gives me love. Goes the opposite way. So it goes one way in the verse and one way in the chorus. But there's one small, little, tiny, beautiful detail that's different. And it's the difference between the minor chord and the major chord. This B flat minor chord is the one that starts the song. Goes to that F sharp minor. But when they go the other way, it goes in the chorus, they go from this F sharp minor to a major chord. Now the difference between the, the B flat minor and a B flat major chord is just one small thing. It's, it's even though it sounds so different, there's the minor, sounds so different. But the only real difference is one note is moved the smallest interval possible. That's it. And it's that one tiny little detail that makes that chorus so powerful. And where she hits it, it's so, she hits it so powerfully. It makes such like a, like a jarring difference in the way that the verse sounds versus the chorus sounds. That's just a small little detail that makes this song way better than anything that Mariah Carey's ever sang. Do we not have the rights to that song? Oh, we have it. Yeah, we do. Right, but right. and no, because I, I mean, I'll you play just want, You just wanted to show it? Yeah, I just wanted to show because you want to fucking move on. So I've got things I could play, but you want to fucking move on. So you're going to be bitchy <laughs> I, yeah, about is, it. Is this our longest episode yet? Where are we at time? Yeah, we're, we're at 56 we minutes because oh, you wouldn't God. shut oh, up about God. the I fucking know. Oscars I know. and stuff. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I go, I go, no, it's fine. All day. Who cares? It's fine. I have a question about Whitney Houston. Yeah. She's a great big fat person. Oh, Jesus. No, she's not. She was a skinny little thing. Okay. Thought I'd ask. <sighs> <Seemed relevant. laughs> um, I am going to, so one thing that I will say, and I'll tweet this out too, is if you want to hear Whitney Houston fucking blow the doors off the fucking room, uh, she performs this song um, on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, so th- actually, it, this, it was this week. Is it really? Yeah, for real. I checked it out. It was her That's first so time funny. SNL. It was this week. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, you, you definitely, so definitely tweet that out for sure. I brought it too. So I'm actually, I'll probably add it to the end of this, um, this episode. So if you do want to, we might not have the right, of to, course we have the rights to this. Do yes. the song, but of not course. the SNL version. Fuck that. Of no, course we no, do. No, what do you mean? I'm, they can't. I'm, no, it's the song. Behind the music we have the rights to the song. Yeah. SNL is really protective. Don't do that. Bullshit. Yeah. I'm serious. That's yeah. bullshit. Just tweet, out the, just tweet out the thing. We play the song, but tweet out, just tweet out the thing. It's fine. All right, fine. I'll do that. Yeah. All right. But you guys, you should definitely listen to it because it is hard to do what she does live it's it is incredible what she does live it's, it's amazing it's, it's, she it's has really great interesting you know this is her because this is her third album she's obviously already yep. a huge star yeah why was this her first snl performance and i don't know i don't know but, a good but you make a great point though about how like she is when she's a singer she is so exposed right and, like she sings in a way that you don't i don't know, you haven't really seen a ton before or since where no she is and that's part of her appeal and then when she did the super bowl which was a month before the where we are in history in, in our show here yeah um she uh that was pre-recorded was it really? Yeah, um, which is fine. It's allowed there. I get it. But she got some flack for that. And, yeah. and, and the studio tried to bury that knowledge. But, you know, but it, it is true. That was pre-recorded. The famous Star Spangled Banner thing she did. Oh, yeah, earlier. yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, but SNL was not. That was live. Oh, no. I mean, um, it's clear. A lot of people, I know a lot of people do lip sync at uh, Saturday Night Live. Or at least they did. You think. At least they did. They tried to really poo-poo it. I, Ashley Simpson famously got got bagged for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. They really try not. They really... The SNL kind of like really flexes their muscle. People won't. Um, yeah, you shouldn't. They shouldn't. Right. It's, it's bad. Plus, chicken hat is alive. Like right. actually, they tell you that. Like, hey, this this could get fucked up. This get real bad, and yeah. it could ruin your career. And she so, is. And Whitney can sing. Obviously, obviously there's a not. need to do that. But um, but yeah, I would actually I'd love to tweet that out. I, I would love it. to see it's, that. It's amazing. Um, but it, it was this a very this, moving this Saturday of this week. Her band is amazing. The whole thing is fucking amazing. And she, you know, that's the cool thing about Whitney too is you know she has all the chops that she could match Mariah Carey anybody else with technical skill. She's fast. She can do intervals, whatever. She doesn't have to. She puts it in where, where it makes complete musical sense to and that she, she just, she does it where it's appropriate and that's it. It's, it's fucking awesome. So there we go. That's okay. what we got. So we're not going to do personal stories yeah, because uh, A, we, I, I babbled too much about Sounds of the Lambs, uh, but we are going to talk headlines and the reason we're going to kind of mix headlines and personal stories because there was one story this week yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. the Iraq War. I want to kind of give you a timeline. Well, of, this is the Persian, is it, per, wait, it's Desert Desert Storm at this point. They all kind of it was shield and then went to storm. Yeah, storm. So yeah. I'm going to give you kind of a, a, a timeline here of kind of where things were based on the New York Times reporting here. Okay. Um, so February 20th, U.S. Iraq battles escalate, like it hit a new level. They had already been fighting for a month or so, but it kind of 
reached a new level. Yeah, yeah. A day later, Iraq tries to end the war with a truce, but U.S. rejects those conditions. Uh, uh, on the next day, Bush demands Iraq leave Kuwait by a certain day, or a certain time, excuse me. That's right, I remember. Uh, yep. And then the very last day of the week, which is our Saturday, um, which I think is the day of uh, Whitney was on SNL. Yeah, it must be. Um, the Allied, the, 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 uh, Hussein did not pull the troops out fast enough. Yeah. So the Allied forces storm Iraq and Kuwait after Hussein ignores the U.S. deadline. Yeah. And it was kind of like, it was on. And I think that's kind of what the, what yeah, we that's all what I remember. From to storm. Um, and I just kind of want to talk about, because we were both pretty young. I just kind of want to talk about any, like, I remember watching on CNN yep. like, and just being kind of blown away with, uh, like, you know, uh, just, you know, just how dominant we were from military respect, especially when we were little boys. Remember, like, Russia was considered our contemporary. Yep. But by this point, communism kind of collapsed and yeah. we really were the world power. And um, maybe we'll never be a world power like this again, where it was like this much like flexing our muscles and just completely, you know. I think you're right. I think this time period was probably the peak of that. I think I would think so. Yeah, because now, I mean, now it's not so much anymore. I mean, yeah, I think technology's obviously changed the game completely. It has. Yep. But this was the last time where you, I think you had, at least in probably in our lifetimes, you had one true world power, even if it was for a very small portion of time. It also seemed that there was, there was a lot of U.S. support uh, for the president and going into war at this time. Well, Bush's, it like. Bush's um, I agree with you. And yeah. Bush's popularity was incredibly high. It was Of course, high. you know, we talked about it on another episode about that recession hit. Yeah. Um, and that completely depleted. Well, then no new taxes and then he got yeah. screwed. Read he was, he was my done. lips. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thanks, read, Dana. Read my lips. I can't. You're behind a microphone. <laughs> She's a great big fat person. She is. <laughs> I got it. Now I fooled you. <laughs> you didn't expect that. No. Um, uh, yeah. So, but I remember being almost, I don't want to say exhilarated, but very intrigued. I never really, I was too young for Vietnam, so I never really seen a war in real no, time. No, no. I also remember being a little scared. Yeah, of course. And just like wondering what this meant. I remember just kind of being intrigued. I get maybe exhilarated, but intrigued yeah. by it. Uh, and just kind of like, just, uh, I'm, meanwhile, now, flash forward 2020, I'm incredibly anti-war. I, I yeah, despise agreed. war. I, I really, I will vote. If a candidate says they won't go to war, I'll vote for that candidate. That's like my number one. Yeah, I, I think for president. We're on the same page. Um, yep. But at that moment in time, I remember being very interested in it. I never really was interested in military. I never wanted to join the military. Well, I think but, it was one of the first times we could really see it too. Like that, it was very clear. There it was, was like a lot the, of reporting. I remember seeing, yeah, I remember seeing like, I, I just have vivid memories of like that. night vision, like missile oh, fire oh, shit, Yeah, right? of course. Those iconic shots, like the yeah. green. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. You know, you wonder if US knew they're going to win. So they, they kind of gave, could have been journalists more access than they would. It you know was what I mean? Pretty clear. Like if you look at the size of the American, they military, knew what they were going into. Yeah. They knew it was a W. Yeah. So I wonder if they gave this the reporters be like, we, this is going to look good Maybe. for us. Let's, yeah. let's go kick some ass and everybody see it. Uh, but I remember, I, I don't know. Like, I guess that's not true. Maybe after nine 11, other than after nine 11, I don't remember national pride being any higher. Agreed. That's right. Yeah. Like, there were yellow ribbons everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. And it made more sense, you know, after nine 11, of course, because I mean, it was, fucking devastation that happened where we're in the you know the desert uh shield that went to storm these are people far away we didn't know like it was it seemed it's it was just sort of a way way different i think it was odder that there would be that much you know stake in it i guess yeah and you know obviously now you look back and just the things that happened afterwards obviously give it kind of a different taint than it did in in the moment it does um, uh but yeah in, in the moment i remember being really um it didn't make me want to join the military, though. I mean, I, no, I, of course that's, not. That's my no, own personal take, obviously. But I, uh, but I remember thinking it was it was really fascinating. Um, and, well, like uh, even school, like the school. I remember yeah. going to public schools, and there was very rah rah there too, which actually is in retrospect kind of scary to me. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I can understand. I, I understand. Too. I understand an, it. I mean, you remember too? We weren't that far removed from World War II when there was. You know, I mean, we were far removed. Pretty people, far removed. Well, I yes don't know. and no. <laughs> Well, here's the difference. So let me explain it, Mr. I went to school for music. <laughs> I mean, uh, not all of us did that. Let me, well, let me, that was condescending. Let me try, let me try to explain I guess it. I was owed one. Uh, yes, you were. Uh, no, like, I guess what I mean by that is, so like right now, there's really no one alive from World War II. If there are, they're very, very, yeah, very old. Yeah, very old. Um, but back then, there were people who were alive from World War II that, that That's who right. fought World War II that were still in position to power. Yeah. They, they might have been CEOs, okay, actually might have had huge power, um, where that's just not the case anymore. And I think that national pride kind of bled through. I also think there was some sort of, I think America felt very bad about their um, uh, uh, tr treatment of soldiers during Vietnam. Yeah, um, that's true. And I think there was sense. a lot of baby boomers who wanted a, 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 a different a, story. A redo a mulligan on that. Yep. And I think this was the baby boomers like as baby boomers or we often do. Uh, oh, we, you know, we did it right that time. So forget about everything else we did in the past. Right. They, they want to erase away their mistakes like children. And I think they do that. They did that here or they tried to. And, and um, I think they went a little overboard. Yeah. 
um, with, with some of that, um, behavior, uh, which, but I also, I say that overboard. That's not true because I think that soldiers should get, I actually have, I have a lot of respect for soldiers. I mean, everyone does. That's such a, let me rephrase that. I sound like an asshole now. Uh, everyone respects soldiers, obviously, but, uh, I think it's people in command that I have issues with who put us in positions of war, uh, that I totally, I have the issue with. Yeah. Um, uh, but I feel like even then we were lionizing these generals and lionizing these, um, presidents and stuff who maybe were putting us in situations that could have ended badly for us and maybe there's, eventually did but also maybe these things that happened 9 11 is that would have happened anyway i don't could have know been. uh there's also a big difference between a cold war and a hot war like you know what i mean like you 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 have a different feel of that's that's almost like impending dread all the time but when it actually goes live you're kind of like okay we're winning this thing so it kind of maybe it's it's more cathartic to to be that I think way it as was. opposed as opposed to just be in fear for 30 years or whatever it was. It was the last time years. America really pounded their checks. Remember the 80s, yeah. everyone was kind of like, oh, we're king shit, we're king shit. Yeah. Communism, Berlin, Wall Falls, and then this. It's like, oh, we're king yeah. shit. And then it, that kind of attitude, I feel, kind of hasn't really been seen to that level since. Well, when you have, you know, 30 years of straight war, I think it's a different, you're going to have a different feel. Yeah. Now, the war on terror has been forever, you know, yeah, 20 and, years or whatever. You know, it's been very, it's been a very long time. And I think people are, it's so funny now, not funny, I guess is the wrong word, but it's so interesting. Now people, I think are, are just exhausted by it. Of course. Where back then there you was, al- there was almost a the thirst for it. Yeah. Agreed. Right. Um, which is interesting. But also this, this week, Ed Sheeran was born. Oh, good for fucking Ed. I don't really like it, Sharon. No, I'm not a big fan. Of, uh, Barbara likes him. Um, he's talented, but I don't. His songs to me aren't well crafted. They're just they're very they're adult contemporary to me. Is they're not well crafted? I'm not a big fan of his stuff. I was very popular no. with the younger. I'm just, we're actually probably gonna get bombarded with Ed Sheeran. Yeah, probably. Please don't uh, just don't, don't cut that Christ. sound bite out and uh, get us attacked again. First. Oh, I'm definitely putting that. I'm tweeting that one out. Great, wonderful. All right, I, think else? I, got, I love Ed Sheeran. Oh, I have one more thing to add. <laughs> okay. She's a great big fat person. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I thought you said comedy was three times. I swear that was like five times. It's called a button. Uh, no, it was, it, was more, it was more than that. Breaking the rules. I am. Yes. Yes, I am. Anything uh, else? Oh, yeah. So we're back on uh, back Saturday, on Saturday. With, uh, from Dust to Dawn, which is a really weird episode. If you're, <laughs> really I, think weird. It's odd. I think I tell two personal stories in it. Yeah. Including one that's very dark. Uh, so, uh, and we talk from Dust to Dawn, which is a really interesting movie to it talk about. It is interesting. Yep. Um, so come back then and then uh, we'll, we'll see you on Saturday. All right. Take care. Bye.